0: I got a billion dollar mindset, steady as a flow, on my time spent, letting me know. billion dollar. Billion dollar billion hey yo, what is going on? Welcome to the show, Into the Mind. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson, and I'm a parkour athlete turned real estate investor. I spent the last eight years of my life studying mindset of elite performers and applying those lessons to my own life. In my pursuit for success, I've sought out wisdom from mentors who are doing exactly what I want to do in all areas of life. So I've asked that they share their wins and losses with me. And in my search for those answers, this podcast was born. I wanted to share that valuable advice that I was receiving from successful entrepreneurs, investors, and world-class athletes. So thank you all for tuning in. This show is for free, and my guests do give their precious time to be here. So I do ask for something in exchange to show our thanks. I ask that the price of admission be you share this if you get any value you go onto your social media you share it with your friends you share it with your family you share it with your co-workers you share it with people in the streets look my goal is to influence 1 million people to invest in themselves and to unlock their own potential and i can't do that alone yo so let's get this episode started so what's going on guys welcome back to another episode of into the mind i'm your host marlon johnson and today my guest is ricky morgan Ricky is a real estate investor, fitness enthusiast, and he's a partner at Savannah Properties in New Jersey, where they actually help people sell their homes quickly at a fair price. So back in 2017, Ricky had this realization that he was unhappy working his nine to five doing sales at Yelp. And although he had been there for four years, he'd earned plenty of promotions and it even got him to a salary of about six figures. He thought something was missing. He began to dive deep into personal development, and through reading and study, he discovered he could create his own life. He began working towards financial freedom through real estate, and he focused on executing good deals and becoming a wholesaling professional, not a guru. So Ricky's now living out in Arizona, doing deals in Jersey, and also virtually across the U.S., and I'm excited to have him on the show so we can learn a little bit more about what sort of mindset that he had to cultivate in order to succeed. So Ricky, bro, welcome to the show, man.
1: Dude, thanks, Marlon. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited to uh, to chat about everything that's going on.
0: Dude, heck yeah, man. Yo, so for, I mean, people that don't really know you yet, like how did you end up getting into this real estate game? Cause I know you did come from like that traditional nine to five. Like what was that transition like?
1: Yeah, so I mean, uh, your intro kind of, you know gave a, a good insight of kind of what I was going through but it was really the, the moment where um, I, I did get into self-development and it, I'm sure, you know, you seem like a guy that's probably kind of went down that rabbit hole a lot too. And all the, all the roads led to real estate. You know, almost any book that you read um, it seemed like wealth and and success, real estate was a part of it, even if it wasn't you know the main thing that was going on. Uh, so I figured out you know real estate was a good asset and a good vehicle where you know I was looking at what what the top if I got really good at real estate, what do those people's lives look like? And you know, real estate, the, the, the people doing it really well are making a ton of money. they have a lot of um, time you know, it's not a super intensive job. It's more, you know, just transactions and, and making deals work. So it really seemed like it, it kind of set up the lifestyle I wanted. Real estate was always just kind of, um, you know, interesting to, to me as well. You know, I just um, like the idea of like being able to like flip something. And if you think about, you can flip shoes, you can flip couches, you can flip cars, but uh, real estate's like the biggest asset that you can really flip. So that idea kind of intrigued me where it's like, why flip something where you make you know fifty bucks, or you know even flip something off Amazon, you might be making a dollar or two when you flip one transaction in real estate. You know you can make eighty grand, hundred grand on one deal. So uh, that's kind of where it got started. And then um, you know I got linked up with my my partner now, Steve. He's a Jersey boy just like me. We played college golf together, which was uh, you know you know a good um, way where we kind of built a connection in college. It's just friends, and then we didn't talk for like two years and uh, we reconnected and he said he, he owned 20 properties in Trenton, New Jersey, which uh, for people that don't know, it's kind of like a low income. Uh, he burned a bunch of houses, and just built up this portfolio that was cash flowing really good. And once I heard that I, I really got hooked because I was like, if Steve was able to do that, like, you know, he's just another guy like me and he was able to find success so fast. That kind of made it real for me. So that's kind of where it all started.
0: Yo, know, isn't it crazy how like being able to see someone like one of your friends or somebody that you know in real life do it, it like just unlocks the gateway? Cause I know as I was getting into it, like it all made sense theory, watching it all on YouTube. And it's like, oh, watching Max Maxwell. It's like, oh yeah, like he's doing it. Right. But then at the same time, there's this like complete disconnect because it's like, well, maybe like it works in his market and not over here. Okay. But then having like your friend actually show you that a transaction's real and you're like, holy crap, it's not a scam. Like doing this stuff actually works. It's, it's game change, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, dude, like th- that really made it real. And then even just me being in Phoenix where I live now, like, you know, guru capital of the world as far <laughs> as like, you know, all the dudes online, but I had the same kind of, you know, hesitations. Like, you know, is this bullshit? Like, is this real? Like, what's kind of going on here? And then when I actually met these guys, you know, met guys like, you know, I think your mentor, Pace, and Brent, Brent Daniels and Cody Sperber, and Steve Trang like I've met these dudes personally and, and they've been so helpful and always you know just wanting to kind of give back and that kind of when I saw what they were doing like in person and I saw the kind of lives they had you know the money that they were making I was like this isn't just some internet get rich quick scheme you know what I'm saying like this is this real estate thing is like real so i think for some people that don't that have never seen it or actually talked to someone uh, that's doing it The idea is kind of wild that like you can make a couple phone calls sign a couple pieces of paper and just make you know tens of thousands of dollars
0: for real I mean that's the truth I mean obviously we know it's way harder than that and like we don't want it's not that that simple
1: but but the idea when you break it down it kind of is is really that
0: yeah I mean dude honestly like I was in this room when I closed my first transaction and it was out of state it was in Milwaukee I was sitting here in my pajamas and it worked and I was like no freaking way that just worked. Like, I just made money from my bedroom selling a house I'd never seen. It was just crazy. It was a paradigm shift, you know? So, yo, let me ask you because there was something I was going to ask a little later, but since we're here right now, I think it's yeah. an important topic to talk about. You're out in Arizona right now. And like you said, it is kind of like Guru Central for real estate investments. And being around that energy, being in that environment, do you think there's something to having that physical proximity to individuals that are you know, essentially doing this at a higher level, or is it enough to be able to soak it in through the internet?
1: Dude, I think just the fact that um, it's, it's taken time, man, like to kind of build a network of people out here. And I think that the way yeah. I've done that, like when I first got into it and I did no deals, I was going, uh, like the first thing I ever went to was one of Steve Train's real estate disruptors meetup. And I would go there, you know, I would talk to people be like, oh, like, you know, looking to buy houses, I'm a wholesaler, but like, I didn't do any deals, dude. So it was like, You know, I tried getting time with guys like Pace and and some of these big guys, but they didn't give me a lot of time at first because I wasn't really bringing any value to them. You know, so as time progressed and I just started actually doing deals and being able to like JV some deals and like my first deal ever, um, I I wholesaled to uh, one of my friends, Templeton Walker. He's a pretty big player out here, too. That kind of helped me get in a network of people like, oh, Ricky's a good guy. He actually does deals. So I think that is huge, man, because Um, I've had such even a big shift, like, you know, this has been the best financial year of my life, as far as how much money I've made from my corporate job, like, you know, very happy with how I'm doing. But a couple of weeks ago, I'm golfing with like Pace and Templeton and some of these dudes just like, they're like way up here, right? They're making me seem like I'm not doing shit. And like, I love that, man, just like being around that. And like, they've given me the confidence now to like, you know, start like making content, like, like my flip lab thing, Um, that i'm getting into and you know just really going out there and uh just seeing that in person and talking to them and seeing it is possible has i I think it's so much more important than uh, anything the internet could provide
0: dude i couldn't agree with you more man like honestly like i tell everyone like when i came out to arizona i came out to arizona for the first time back in i think maybe june or july and Mm -hmm at that point I hadn't done a deal yet. Right. I had just gotten into real estate was still on that hunt for the first deal was maybe about five months in and going out there to Arizona, meeting pace in the team, seeing that, Oh my God, like first off his acquisitions, people were getting told no all day long. I listened to no all day long. So first I realized there's nothing wrong with me, but then also just seeing the energy and the way they moved and the way they, I was like, all right, there it's normal. Like this is a normal thing. These guys are, really actively doing it. And it's this energy they carry about like keeping the grind alive, keeping the work and the hustle moving forward without getting burnt down and bogged down by it was something that like you can't see over the internet. It was this nuance because now it wasn't, they weren't doing it for a camera. You just saw that they were just doing it. This is just what gets done. And that just like was a catalyst in my brain for holy crap. And I swear to you, like I got home and then deals just started working. And I was like, oh shoot because i was in that energy so i think there is something to be said about just being around those people and seeing also how little you're working in comparison right
1: yeah exactly dude that was like um when i was golfing with pace and he was telling me all the crazy shit he's doing and what he's up to and he has a wife kids like you know (laughs) i don't have any kids right i don't have a family yet hopefully one day soon but uh like, I'm like, I have no excuse. Like, I'm like, I'm golfing too much. I'm just like wasting too much time in the gym. Like, I need to like get my ass working more. So like, just uh, just being around that dude is so uh, inspiring because if uh, around like some other friends that I have, it's like, I'm crushing it, right? Compared to where I was. And like, I'm grateful for, for everything that I've done so far in real estate, but it's so much more inspiring and motivated when, you know, you're around, that other, that higher tier circle of people that are just on another wavelength. And it, you know, it just makes you want to work harder and just really grind every single day.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So talk about that. I mean, how would you say your circle has begun to change? Like at what point did you recognize your, I would say your social circle or your environment begin changing and what point did you consciously force the change?
1: Yeah. I, I would say like going all the way back to probably like 2018, Kind of like when I made a decision, I wasn't too happy at Yelp. I realized I wanted out of corporate, but I also knew like, you have to have a plan, right? So many people like they just just see like what's happening now and just think like it happened overnight. But like, you gotta go years back to, you know, making these decisions and sacrifices. Like when I first got into self-development, before that, dude, I was like partying all the time. I'd be at the bar like Wednesday through Sunday, just like getting (laughs) blacked out, like straight up. Like, you know, it was good times and I was younger too you know, I was just out of college, just moved out to Scottsdale, which is like a party central city, you know? So like I was doing that for a while, but I realized like that lifestyle and success just don't really mesh too well. You know, it's, you're not going to decide to read a bunch of books when you're hungover or like, you know, go on YouTube and really get deep into some technical system, podio topics or, or whatever you're looking into. So like, I kind of made that decision and like, I took like a whole year off of kind of like being around that social circle of friends that would always go out and party and stuff like that. So I took about a year off of even spending time really around them. And I kind of told them like, look, I'm trying to transition into this new phase of getting into real estate. And there's a lot I need to learn and research. And I just kind of need this time. So uh, that was huge for me of like, just kind of taking that year off. And I think I read like 60 books that year, like really reprogrammed myself. And then I think that kind of was the, the foundation on like even what I'm building today of, of really kind of changing from like that younger, immature, like, you know, partying, not really caring about my future too much to now, you know, it's like I go to bed at like 10 p.m. every day. Like I'm like the most boring person ever now, you know, <laughs> but it's in a good way, in a good way. But you got to um, be aware of that and, and, you know, make that decision. It's not something that just naturally happens.
0: See, yo, what I do, I really like that. And I really appreciate that. And I'm sure, you know, um, you know you're familiar with Matt Simmons, right?
1: No, I'm actually not.
0: Dude, you got to meet him. He, I mean, he's not out there in AZ. He's out in uh, Pittsburgh, but okay. he was on training podcast. I had him on my show a few weeks ago. And he talked about this before he stepped into real estate. He took an entire year, like in full 12 months and reprogrammed himself just entirely from start to finish. And in his first year, he went from zero to seven figures just by working on that mindset and cultivating the person, the type of person he wanted to be going forward. So hearing that you had this very similar, almost like origin story, when right. it this kind of, you know, thought process of, you know what, I'm gonna make the sacrifice. And this is the part that most people won't ever see, you know, it's just, there's no way to capture it really. Cause it's not entertaining. It's not sexy. It's no. like 60 books. Like who wants to sit and watch you read 60 books, but. Right. but- crucial to actually making this happen you know so i'm curious because i do want to like deep dive this for a second yeah when you were doing that reprogramming i mean like what did that actually look like was that like you know go to work and then come home and just sit and read books and like what did that actually how did that manifest itself throughout that time
1: so so what i always struggled with was kind of like discipline with like certain new things that i tried like I like started fitness and failed a couple of times because I just lacked like daily consistent discipline, but I also never really had a good game plan. So I started listening to, uh, Andy Frisella. you ever, you listen to his podcast. Oh, MF. oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So dude, this is like back like 2016, 2017, whenever, you know, I kind of first listened to it and he had something called the power list. I don't know if you ever heard of that. I don't remember the power list. So, so the power list is what he says to do is write down five daily critical tasks that you need to get done every single day so it, it doesn't have to be like crazy big task and, and and don't make 10 on the list just five things so like five things would be let's say uh when i first started it was like read 10 pages of a book you know get to bed at 11 a.m like i was doing like a morning routine at the time it was like that And maybe like go on YouTube and and watch like one of, I think like Max Maxwell's video or whatever I was watching at the time, but just like five simple, easy things that on a daily basis you could do that's helping you move the needle forward. Cause it's like, I think I'm a big believer, like people underestimate what they can accomplish in like a year or two. And they overestimate what they can accomplish in like a couple of weeks or a month. So people aren't playing like the long game, I think, when it comes to these things. So it's like that was really where I was just like, what can I control today? You know, looking at I might not start doing real estate deals for another year or two. But if, if I do these five things every single day, it's just going to have a compound effect. And in a year from now, I'm going to be a completely different person.
0: Yo, I I love that. And I want to emphasize that for people that are listening, because we've had a few guests on this show that really hit home on this fact, on this uh, topic, where it's really figuring out the daily principles, the daily disciplines, and hammering them away. We had Mark and April Giuliano, where they committed to five hours a day of cold calling every single day for six months before a deal broke through. Matt Simmons committed to waking up at 4 a.m. every single day and getting his day started right there off the bat until things worked out. He did that for an entire year and still continue to do it. So hearing that you're committing to like the power five and ultimately just giving yourself these small disciplines to train that discipline muscle, right? Like think of it as like way totally. you got a bicep, it's a discipline muscle. And that thing, you start working it out. It doesn't matter what the actual task is. The task is pretty irrelevant. I mean, like one of my disciplines is making up my bed every right. single
1: day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some simple like that, it gets the day started on, on the right path. And it just like, it keeps you in check, you know, keeps that like, everyone has that voice in their head who wants them to do like the bad shit, you know, it's like sleep a little later, like don't go to the gym today, like eat like shit, like whatever it is, right? Like everyone's got that internal voice in their head, but it's the people that can really control that and shut it off. And it's like, like when that comes in my head, it's like, maybe you don't have to go to the gym today. That's when like, I take my free workout and I go straight to the gym because it's, it's, it's training that part of your brain to, to not let it take control of your daily actions. And and it makes you feel like you're in control then.
0: Yeah, dude. So I was uh, you know, earlier I was doing a little research on you and I came across a podcast. I forget which one it was called, but essentially you said something in the podcast where you mentioned that you like those moments where it's almost like your brain is speaking so loudly and clearly on like, Lay in bed longer ricky like yo, just chill out don't do this because it uh almost like in a way it shows you exactly what you need to be doing like could you elaborate on that a little
1: yeah i just think dude those are the best days like those are like the training days like like when i talk about the power five and being consistent dude like it's easy on the days where you wake up and like you don't get like a shitty phone call in the morning from like you know, your mom or whoever, and like, you know, you, you don't hit traffic in the morning, like the days where everything's going well, it's easy to stick on track and be disciplined. But like the days where everything is going wrong, your day gets away from you, you're not feeling well, maybe you're a little sick or whatever it is. But those days, if you can still get your shit done, that's where you prove to yourself like, damn, like if I can be disciplined and just get take care of my day on a day like that, like the rest of the days are easy. So I just think you have to though take advantage of those moments is what I look at like any moment, right? You could decide to like kind of play victim to it or like make the best out of it. So I think it's like training your brain to just always make the best out of it because as a business owner and like being in real estate, like you, you have to always be solving problems. Right. And you can't let like shit comes up every single day. Right. But you can't get bogged down by those things. So I think it's similar um, to, to that part of your brain you know it's all connected where it's like if you can train yourself and you know like I, I connected to fitness a lot I got really big into fitness right when I got into this because it, it trains that discipline side of you and it really checks you on a daily basis so I think it's cool man I, I love those those tough days but not not too many you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no definitely not too many in a bro definitely it still weighs you down for sure But like you said, like it is that training day. So I mean, like for like for those of you listening, seriously, like you can pause right here, go back to the beginning, listen back up to this point, because so much value was already dropped in just like this short period of time. And that's insane. That's one of those things where a lot of people forget that. Like it's really it truly is the training when it gets hard, when it gets tough, when you don't want to do it. Great. Now you're actually doing the thing. It's like working out. The workout doesn't start until you want it to stop, you know? So it's like,
1: exactly. There's, there's no secrets, man. It's, it's not the the fun stuff that people want to hear. You know, everyone wants like the get, get rich fast, like the easy, you know, what's the secret, you know, people like, you know, have seen my fitness transformation, like, yo, what's the secret, man. It's like, there's no secret, dude. Like,
0: you know, I haven't missed a workout in two years. It's just like, yo, show up to the gym. Like, how do you get six pack? You do the workouts. Right. Do your workouts and
1: like watch your diet and like you'll, you'll be there, but there's no, there's, there's no secrets, but sometimes people don't want to hear that. You got, you got
0: to put in the work on a daily basis. So let's bring it back now. So you, you dip out from your job, you get into right. real estate. I mean, from the point of you actually leaving the job and then starting to work on your mindset till you have proof of concept and you close on your first deal. I mean, what's that timeframe look like?
1: Yeah. So right before, probably like four or five months before I actually left my job at Yelp, I started doing some marketing and wholesaling. So I started sending out marketing, talking to sellers, answering like RBMs and doing some cold calling. And it was just like my, my job at Yelp was like pretty sales intensive. Like I had to make 80 cold calls a day at Yelp. So it was like a hard job to kind of balance, like also then getting on the phone with sellers so I, I got no deals when before I left Yelp. So four months sending out voicemails, no deals. But I felt confident enough where if I didn't have the Yelp job that I would for sure like get some deals going. So I kind of planned out like six months beforehand, like gave myself six months of like runway of like, okay, I have food, I have, I'm gonna be able to pay my rent. Like if I don't make income for six months, I'm gonna be okay. So pretty much do like six months past of me grinding like cold calling trying different like at first I started marketing to Phoenix Um, then I started doing Jersey and I started doing kind of both but it took me six months to find my first wholesale deal out in Phoenix and then like two weeks later I got my first deal with um, Steve in New Jersey and then soon thereafter me and Steve partnered up and it went from there dude but it was crazy man like I was down to like my last couple thousand bucks before my first like wholesale deal closed. So I think some people like, don't take that time though to, to plan out that six months and give themselves enough burn when they leave their job. Like you got to, you know, give yourself the best chance to succeed. And I think if I didn't give myself, you know, that extra time and saved up kind of that nest egg of money, who, like who knows where I would have, you know, ended up now, maybe I would have had to go get a job and then, maybe the, the wholesaling stuff I would have kind of put on the back burner.
0: Yo, dude, that's so important. And I like what you called it, right? You called it a runway, you know, cause essentially that's what it is. Like the plane is capable of taking off. Like it can get up into the air. It can start flying and doing whatever you want it to do. But if it don't have the runway, like it just, it won't get it. It's going to run into the trees. It's going to run into the wall before it ever lifts off. So it's the same thing with us, like actually prepping out and planning. And I think that's where that, um, kind of a discipline of the idea of making a decision, right? Actually deciding I'm doing this, right? And if you decide you're going to do it, you know you're going to do it until it works. So giving yourself, being just like realistic with yourself, like, all right, I've never done this before. I have no idea how long it's going to take to get that first deal to come through. Giving yourself six months, that's smart. Right. That's really smart. Or not just immediately quitting your day job because you watched it on YouTube, but you still have a lot of bills behind you and a family to support. Right. right? Just being strategic about it. Right. I don't yeah. mean to say realistic, but just being strategic. Giving
1: yourself the best chances to succeed is like the way I always look at it. Like there's going to be shit that comes up and like things out of your control. And like, who knows, like if that seller didn't pick up, last year where we had like one of our big deals that like really gave me then like the runway and freedom to like continue to go on it's like there is some luck involved but it's like they always say like like i'm a big golf fan like tiger woods always gets lucky it's like he's always putting himself in positions to get lucky and he the way he trains and the amount of practice shots that he hits in all these different situations it's like he's setting himself up to get lucky so I think you always have to try to set yourself up to get lucky and set yourself up um, to make it the easiest path to success and I think some people just make it really hard on themselves where they're like hey like I'm trying to get into wholesaling Um, I have three kids I can barely pay my rent Um, I have no money for marketing like why can't I get deals it's like dude you have a full-time job you have kids like you have no money to market like How do you expect to start getting deals? Like you got to figure that part out first, you know, set up a a game plan to just get to a position where you can possibly start being successful in this business.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think this is kind of a product of like that social media effect we're talking about a little bit where people, you know, they're only seeing the highlight reels and this isn't a knock on anyone. Like we all love sharing like our favorite moments. Like we all do. That's what social media is for. It's like, I want to share with you the moments that make me happy. The thing is now when someone new is stepping into the space and every single person they see is sharing a different highlight moment in their mind, they start to feel like a deal happens every single day. A deal is happening every single second and there's something wrong with them for not having that deal happen every single second. And like you said, yo, like it took time. I mean, so during that time of you calling every single day, right? I imagine you were calling every single day. Like was, yeah. what sort of hours were you putting in on this, uh, on this phone?
1: About eight hours a day. Yeah. And, and dude, I think I, I kind of was fortunate of for four years, my job at Yelp um, besides being like manager for a year was to cold call business owners to spend money on Yelp ads. And Yelp is like the hardest thing to get reviews for your business. People talk shit like (laughs) business owners, like hate Yelp, dude. So my job was to just cold call these business owners every single day. And people just tell me to F off like all day long. So I got really, really good with dealing with rejection And kind of getting in the mindset of like when you're cold calling like you have to remember like your next no is closer to your next yes like getting yes and no's is a good thing if every single time you made a dial if someone picked up and told you to go f off you're one no closer to a yes it's the people that don't pick up indecisive people that that you know the tire kicker leads like those are worse than the the straight no's no's aren't that bad and i think people gotta embrace that type of attitude like if they want to be successful like cold calling because it's it's a grind man I don't try to make it sound easy for anyone like it is not easy I would say see people left and right at yelp just burn out after two weeks and quit because it's it's tough to get on the phone and get hung up on all day but sometimes you got to get your teeth kicked in to kind of get to the point where then you don't have to cold call and you could hire some and delegate out tasks that take away a
0: lot of your energy Dude I mean yo that's absolute truth and honestly it's funny man like I read all these books that always talk about like people that say they like cold calling or lying I'm not gonna lie to you bro I like cold calling not because I like it but I like what it did for me I like the confidence that it gave me after learning how to face rejection how to face the nose, how to know that like I genuinely get excited now when someone tells me no because in my mind I'm like oh shit yes like that one's out of the way. Like, like you said, that yes is already out there. It already exists on the timeline. So now like getting through these no's, you're just closing all the other doors until you get to the one that you need to walk through.
1: Totally. Like, like Yelp was the best kind of like starting spot for me. Like, as you know, I, I went to college and I graduated with a business degree from Rutgers, but that taught me nothing about real life. The way cold calling at Yelp, like within three months of cold calling at Yelp, I felt like I was more suitable to like be successful in business than everything I learned in college. Like anyone listening, like if you want to be your, like a business owner, an entrepreneur, like don't go to college, in my opinion, like get a sales job, like knock doors for solar or like just get a cold calling job where you just get, you know, rejected all day long. (laughs) Like, and just do that. Like from like 18 to like 21, man. And like, You'll you'll be a savage by the time you're like twenty one years old, and like when all these other kids are like in all this college debt, you know you're gonna have all this sales experience and already, already be like a shark in the in the world, you know. So yo, that man. would kind of be my advice, dude. I wish I never went to college and just went straight into a sales job,
0: dude. It's so true, man. I honestly like I worked at when I got into real estate. I was like, yo, I need sales experience because I was like I didn't have any, so I picked up a job at LA Fitness selling gym memberships just for <laughs> the pure fact. I was like I just. But- to talk to people and practice selling because i didn't have enough leads to talk to i was like i just need people to talk to and it was like an awful experience but it was amazing because it taught me that like yo like rejections it's a numbers game right beat down by this number like you either don't have the expectation of understanding how many numbers you're really going to have to go through or you need to be smart enough and provide value in a different way to go get the person that's going to build themselves up tough enough You could put them in that position and you could position them to win for the team,
1: right? Yeah,
0: dude, that's insane, man. So, you know, the deal happens, you get your first deal, lock it up. What, how much was that first deal? And then, how did business kind of catapult after that, or how did business move afterwards?
1: Yeah, so the the first deal was uh, came off a Facebook ad out here in Arizona, I was running some Facebook ads. And I, I got this lead, went to the house. It was my first ever seller appointment in person. Went to the house, then like the deal kind of fell apart. He said he went with someone else. Their buyer ended up not closing. So then he called me back and I was like, yo, I'm ready to go. So I was like, oh shit, like, like I didn't know what to even do. So I, I called up my buddy Templeton or at the time he wasn't really my buddy, but he was someone I saw on social media. Uh, someone I knew through a friend connection of like, he's a good guy. He's not going to you know, screw you over on a deal or anything. So I just hit him up and he was like, dude, I'll come in, I'll contract it. I'm either going to wholesale it out or I'm going to close on it myself. But either way, like when we lock it up, like it's, it's a done deal. So I just wanted to get, gain that experience and just kind of see how he operated and stuff. So I wasn't even focused on like trying to make the most money on it. And I think people should really focus on that. Like your first couple of deals, don't worry about how much money you make. Like I see, I'll talk to new, new people who, who are just getting into it. And instead of like trying to learn, they're trying to squeeze every last dollar out of it. And then they end up, you know, maybe selling it to someone who's not a legit buyer. The deal blows up instead of making a little less and working and, and understanding how a real buyer operates. So... Um, sold it to him. He locked it up. He wholesaled it to me. Or I, I made like 5K uh, assignment fee. It was a 5K assignment fee. And then I think he wholesaled it out and made like 5 or 10K too. Nice. So it was a win-win. You know, probably could have made more money on it if I focused more on dispo, but just getting my first deal was all I cared about. Because that gave me kind of the proof of concept. The uh, You know, when that first check hit, like, okay, like that's five grand, dude. Like you're, you made something out of nothing, you know, which I never made money really like that before so from there dude it, it just kind of took off like we started wholesaling um the end of 2019 and early of this year we were still like wholesaling a little bit just making like 5 10 15k assignments but working a lot dude you know talking to sellers you know buyers tr- transaction coordinators like we we're working all these like little small assignments and then we finally got to the point of like let's just worry about you know, maximizing our profit on, on each deal. So uh, we started then just, you know, taking things down and flipping them ourselves, because our average retail flips in Jersey, we're making like 80k a pop. So it's like, think about how many deals you have to do. Uh, you know, if you're doing 5k assignment deals to make 80 grand, I'd rather do one deal, flip it, you know, know it's a good asset. And, you know, even if it takes five, six months to do, then to be going crazy every day working about small assignments.
0: Yo, honestly, that's the way to go. And I like what you said. I mean, you touched on a lot of things that hopefully newer investors are listening to, right? First off, not being trying to to milk everything from that first deal, right? Because a lot of guys ruin deals that way. And also it shows the mindset that they have. It's such a short-term scarcity mindset. If you're Uh really in this for the long-term and you really have that abundance mindset, you know more deals are going to come. Build a relationship with your buyer. Go find a real buyer, that should be your homie. You should be able to call your buyer up and just chill and kick it and just like talk to them. Like you should be able to tell your buyers about your deals before you even have them on the contract. Yeah,
1: like it's it's such a mutual benefit of a relationship. Like you both should love each other because it's like like I'm paying the wholesaler, you know, and the wholesaler is getting paid for me, and it's like I'm making money from the wholesaler. It's like it's a win win for everyone. And uh, some some people that are just getting into it don't look at it that way.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, again, it's that mindset that needs to shift. So let me ask you, as you transition out of wholesale, you start transitioning into actually locking them down yourselves now. Like, what was that transition like? Because for a lot of people, I know a lot of wholesalers as well, or I don't even like using the term wholesalers, but a lot of folks that are still using just the wholesale strategy, they they can't yet conceptualize how they would take the deal down themselves. So what was that transition like to uh, rehab your first property?
1: Yeah, so actually the first one that we took down, uh, we locked it up, I think last December it was, and we closed like just after the new year, and um, it was in Ewing. we we locked this deal up, uh, what was the numbers on this one, it was so long ago, but we locked it up and we we knew we were just, we were, we were thinking of signing it, we were still on assignment mode, right, in our head, but this was like an 80k assignment, it would have been, right, so in new jersey it's like 80k assignments like not knowing buyers like no right right so so we just wanted um to take control of the asset as quickly as possible because we knew we got it at such a such a good price right so what was it it was um 113 upper ferry road in ewing uh we bought it for 115 and we sold it a week later for 195
0: we didn't
1: touch it we didn't even touch it so that was our first deal where, where we were like, it's too big to assign. We need to take control of this asset. We got it at a good price. So we, um, we seeked out some private money and it was from people though that saw we were doing deals. Like we already did, let's say, you know five or 10 small assignment deals, but we were doing deals. So uh, we were able to get a private money loan on that at like 10% interest only. Uh, from a family friend, that's like an older 401k guy. You know, he has money sitting around in his bank account earning like pretty much nothing. So, you know, he lent us, you know, the, whatever, the hundred grand, we paid it back to him. Two weeks later, he made, you know, his 10% easy money. So that was how we, we took down our first one. So we didn't rehab it. It was just an 80K, you know, buy and, uh because if we would have rehabbed it, we would have made like 90. So I think it's important sometimes for people to understand as well, you know, there's, you know, making, maximizing the profit, but then also like the velocity of money. So you have to kind of balance those two out where sometimes making a quick 30k is better than a six month rehab where you make 45. But at the same time, sometimes like a quick 30 isn't as good as doing the rehab to make 80 grand on the back end. So you have to kind of look at it deal by deal. And this was one where it just made sense to not do the rehab and make a quick 80 grand, especially when we we're kind of first starting out, like dude, again, like 40 grand, like in my bank account at the time was like kind of what I needed to, to give me that, that little cushion to, to just really focus on getting more deals. So pretty much from there, dude, we started just taking down and closing on them ourselves because more private money opened up to us. And it, like, you probably know, man, like it's easier when you could just go in there as the buyer, and just close on it and not have to worry about assignment of contracts and, and all this thing. Just taking c- control of the asset with your own money is like, just makes, you know, acquiring the, the deals a lot easier.
0: Dude, heck yeah, I mean, so it's funny cause I still haven't taken down my first property to hold for myself yet, Yeah. Uh, my buyers, like I said, such close relationships right. with essentially that's what it gave me. It gave me that confidence to know that no matter what I can close, I can perform. And people kind of forget, you show up to the conversation with the seller a little bit differently when you know that you're not just talking talking a whole lot of mess. Like you're actually confidently saying, this is the price I could perform at. I can get this deal done. That energy is actually what translates more than the words coming out of your mouth. And that's something I think people still don't quite yeah. recognize. They're still trying to figure out the right lines to say, or it's like, no, it's the confidence. And the confidence comes from actually building out your business properly. But actually putting in the work and building it out.
1: Yeah, like it, it, if if you gave me an address, right? And I went back to you with the buy price, like Marlin, like we're good on this at 120. Like we're gonna close on that. You know what I mean? So then you get to go into that appointment with that number in mind and you have so much more confidence talking to the seller of, you know, like, okay, here's a real buyer. They looked at the property, you know, it's it's a good parcel. There's nothing weird about it like, unless there's something crazy that we don't know about it, you know, we're going to be good at buying it at this price. So all of a sudden you get in a negotiation with the seller and, you know, he's talking around a hundred or nineties, like, you know, like, dude, this is a great deal. Like I could speak with absolute confidence when, if you don't have that relationship with a real buyer and you never bought a deal yourself, and you're just kind of looking at comps, like sometimes uh, you don't know how to really price a deal with, you know, it's like a double yellow line or septic or Maybe it's just a it's not in an attractive area. There's a lot of different little things that it comes when you're you're kind of comping properties where you have that end buyer tell you, I'm good at this price. It makes it so much easier to wholesale and uh, I think negotiate.
0: Big time, big time. So let me ask you then, now you with the wholesaling and even locking it down and flipping it back on the market, those are all very transactional, right? You do the work, you hustle your ass off, you get paid and it's a great payday, which is amazing. It's not necessarily wealth building. So how have you guys started wealth building for yourselves? Or has that process started yet?
1: Yeah, so I I actually the first real estate deal I ever bought was actually a rental in Trenton, New Jersey. And I bought for $80,000. And it was like a cash flow machine, dude, it made like 800, uh, like a month in cash flow. Nice. But low income, there's like a lot of I come to low income as well. Uh, But so uh, long story short, though, I sold that because it doesn't make sense to just have one of those, you know, like it makes sense kind of for Steve, he is 20. So if there's a couple problem houses, you have the others to offset it. But right now, dude, we're not really in uh, kind of figuring out the wealth building part in our business. Our main focus is increasing our active income right now. So Kind of over the next couple of years what we talked about is like if we could figure out how to you know consistently make seven figures in active income you know the passive investments are going to come once we have once you have a lot of money it's easy to kind of then reinvest that and deploy it into whole properties so we'll see how like the market shapes up too you know right now it's you're not buying properties for cheap you know the prices are going up if all of a sudden in, in let's say six months from now you know things do change or a year from now things do change I don't think it's a bad time to be a little cash heavy and not really, you know, be thinking long-term. I think, uh, I think when you're younger, like I'm saying, uh, I mean, like I'm, I'm in a relationship with Dana.
0: <laughs> Almost got caught, bro.
1: Almost got caught, but no family. But my point is like no family, right? No real ties to like needing that, you know, passive income coming in every month. Like I, I think it's good when you're just starting out to focus on increasing that active income, because retiring is like not what am I going to do if, if I had you know, enough money to retire, I'd probably be more content and not wake up every day hungry to try to hustle for more deals. So I think it's like figure out how to make more money first, figure out how to get yourself in a good position financially and how to make a lot of money and then kind of move on to kind of keeping it, but kind of don't skip steps. And I think don't focus on too much at once. So that's kind of the position we're in now.
0: Yeah, hey man. Honestly, those are, that's some good advice, bro. Like, I don't know if you meant to really drop that sort of wisdom, but that's really what it is there. Like working on building out that active income, building up that war chest, like Pace calls it a war chest. And like, that's the mindset, right? Build it up so that you can be in a position to act on opportunity later on, right? Don't force the deals, but when you see them and everything the world goes on discount, you have all the money in the world to spend on it. So I mean, right. phenomenal. you
1: can pick up 50 properties in a year if you know what you're doing. So, it's different when you're in the mindset of thinking like you can only buy one or two rentals a year. You, you should probably start as early as possible. Like, you know, I'm 28 years old. Like I got plenty of time to kind of build up whatever type of portfolio I want, you know, in the future.
0: Dude, hell yeah, man. I mean, have you started tapping into any creative yet?
1: Dude, no, I was talking to, to Pace a little bit about it. he's like, man, you got to be getting into some of these creative deals. And I mean, it's something I think, it's it's good to get into but like i still feel like i'm new to this game right i haven't been in it super long like two years where i still want to get really really good at our main focus which is trying to flip like 25 of these houses in new jersey per year and i think if we get really really good at that then we can start looking at other ways to like maximize but i don't like getting too bogged down in just underwriting everything and trying to like turn cold leads or not super hot leads into deals i'd rather kind of just be fishing and like patiently waiting and then knowing like we kind of did the math we do like 15 retail flips in a year we'll make over you know our our business will do over a million dollars in revenue off of probably like a hundred thousand expenses or something like that you know so we don't have to do that many deals to make a lot of money
0: ricky Dude, you literally just hit on something that like, I swear to you, I've been like preaching to everybody for the last like month in like my accountability group, which like guys, like we got too distracted, like everyone, like we all fell victim to just shiny object, shiny object, shiny object, pick a thing, ride that thing hard, stabilize that thing, and then pivot over into whatever else the same way I'm sure like with cold calling, you did all of it yourself until you got to the point where you can stabilize VA's. So same with your strategy where you're recognizing, okay, for now, I'm doing flips. I'm searching for motivated sellers at this price range in these zip codes. I'm not looking over there. Something could pop up over there. I'm just not going to take a look at it right now. Like it'll still be, I think it comes from having that abundance mindset of knowing that you're not actually missing out on anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think totally. I think it's just easier to really get good at finding what you're looking for too and you know, it's like you ask me, what am I looking for? I'm looking for single family houses in Monmouth, Ocean, Mercer, Burlington, Camden County. You know, between the ARV of 250 and 500, that need a lot of work, no septic sewage. You know, no leaking oil ground, on um, uh, underground oil tanks. Like that's kind of like our buy criteria. You know, so I think we have a very specific buy criteria. So sometimes, you know do we miss out on a deal that we could have made money on? That's an occupied rental that maybe we could have done something with possibly, but it doesn't bog us down on a daily basis of distracting us from our main focus of finding what we're looking for. So I think it's, you got to kind of have a strategy and then stick to that.
0: Dude. All right. So I'm like, I'm sorry, we got to deep dive just, just a little bit more because I really wanted to hit home with people.
1: Yeah, dude, I love it.
0: How long did it take you to really start to figure out that buy criteria, right? So for you to actually, because you showed up into the game as essentially someone using just a wholesale strategy, right. so you didn't necessarily have a buy criteria. But then even then, I think if you're using just a wholesale strategy, you should still start to think with a buy criteria, even totally. if it's buyers buy criteria. And then how long did it take for you to establish essentially your own? Like, what was that transition like?
1: yeah yeah i would say what was it uh last january we bought a deal uh, that we just quick flipped so we closed on it and we made I Um, it was in oakland new jersey and we looked then like in three four months what would happen to that house and we saw what the flippers ended up doing with it and what they ended up selling it for i think they sold it for like 265 or something and instead of making a quick 40, if we would have flipped it, we would have made like a hundred. So that kind of like, when we saw that deal in that type of house, that kind of started giving us of like, we should look for houses like this, you know, in, in this area of New Jersey. And um, Steve realized like, if he's going to flip properties, my partner, Steve, he's got to be within kind of a 45 minute drive of the properties as well. So that kind of zoned us in too, once we realized, okay, we're going to start flipping, We also have to narrow in, you know, we can't be buying deals two hours away. It's too hard to rehab, you know, a full project if you're living that far away. So that kind of honed us in. And then we just kind of, you know, ideally, if you can make a bunch of money buying cheaper houses, that's better kind of being in that working class price range. Like you get more high end. Sure, like the the profits could go up, you know, doing high end flips, but also the risk goes way up. So we could kind of make, you know, we're kind of looking at like, if we can make 50 to 80 K, you know, buying houses for around hundred thousand and then selling them for around, you know, 275, that's kind of what we realized is the sweet spot of if, if things turned in the market, that 275 ARV home in a nice neighborhood in the suburbs is always going to be selling. You know, those aren't the types of homes that you see huge price swings if the market turns. Uh, which is something you want to try to avoid when, you know, flips take five months really from start to finish, even if the rehab goes fast, like things just take time. Permits take time. Getting a deal under contract, then it usually takes two months. So you got to kind of be prepared of not getting yourself, you know, in a too risky of a situation. So we kind of like this price range. That's kind of how we came to our, our buy criteria.
0: Dude. Heck yeah, man. I mean, I was of the school of thought when I first got into this, you make your money all in the buy right buying at the right 100 always save you and i've seen people lock up deals at way too high i got a buddy of mine that keeps sending me like at this point i, I ignore <laughs> his emails because he keeps sending me these trash deals and i'm like
1: deal, dude i see it all the time in jersey man i like unsubscribe from all these emails it's just yeah like, they don't know how to underwrite properly
0: dude so you know this one's gonna be really valuable this is gonna be like the last question on this topic and i promise you i'll let you move on from this but you know as a buyer now right and right. your wholesalers sending you deals. What is the difference between a deal you will look at from a wholesaler versus like a deal you will flat out ignore? Like, is it possible that yeah. wholesalers are probably sending you things that you probably could make money on, but you're ignoring just because the presentation or the way it's being sent or maybe their past behavior?
1: You know, I, I think the biggest thing that I see, especially in New Jersey is like the email deals you just like, as soon as you open it up and you just look at it, like it's not like a nice looking home in like a neighborhood that's just like kind of an ugly home, dude. It's like, I see so many deals go out where it's an 800 square foot, two bedroom house, like in the woods on a double yellow road, you know, double yellow line road, busy road, septic, like just like a crappy house where there's just, there's nothing you can do with it by the time. So I, I see a lot of people contracting, here's here's a good nugget for for people that are new. People with cheap homes, you know, homes that are worth five, 10, 15, 20,000, will contract with you no problem. Like they are trying to make deals work. They are trying to get rid of that piece of shit home. But that doesn't mean it's a deal. Just even if it's cheap, that doesn't mean it's a deal because if it's $5,000, but it's gonna take me $80,000 to fix it up and then I could sell it for 90, there's no deal there, right? So I I think it's like a matter of if you find a nice looking home, you know, what do I mean by nice? I mean, public water and sewage. I mean, not on a super busy road, like in a neighborhood where when you look at the comps, there's three other homes of the same model that you could comp within a quarter mile. Not this, you know, colonial eight bedroom, 3000 square foot house, eight bed, five bath that was built in 1915 that there's there's it's so unique that there's no comps even to to justify it like i think that's sometimes that people don't look at like they'll send a deal like that and be like oh look at all this potential and you could airbnb it and do blah 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 you know talking all this all this nonsense and it's like dude look at the comps do you see any strong comps to really justify what the arv on this is and if there's no good comps someone like us we just can't take on that risk so if there's no good comps, if it's, you know, built super, super old and unique, or it, like I said, if it's a, a 12, 12 bedroom, seven bath, 8,000 square foot house, it's like no one wants that. No one also wants an 800 square foot bungalow, um, you know, in the middle of the woods. So I think, I think people got to kind of, you know, look at the street view, look at where the neighborhood is. Does it look like a nice suburban neighborhood where like a family would move into that's not super unique? Like you want boring when it comes to flip. I see a boring looking cookie cutter house. I'm like, I love that.
0: Dude, hell yeah. So, I mean, that's really good advice for people just so they can start getting their mind wrapped around it. Cause I see it all the time as well, where it's just like, I'm helping people out, like turn their deals into creative. And they're like sending me out into the middle of absolutely nowhere. I'm like, dude, it doesn't matter what we get this house under. Like nobody's gonna wanna buy this. Like you have no buyers out here. No one's gonna come to live here.
1: That's why it's so important to build relationships with real buyers like me that can, can shoot you straight on that. I'm not saying that there's no buyers out there that might take something on that we wouldn't, but you got to find that buyer if you're going to send it out. So yep. definitely, you know, kind of the point earlier is like get to know your buyers and really, really get to know what they're buying before you start contracting deals.
0: It's crazy, man, because like getting the deal under contract, like that's the sexy part right now, right? This is like if this is a football team, getting the deal under contract is like the quarterback. Like everybody yeah. wants to be the quarterback. Like, bro, there's so many other positions that like need to happen to make this team work.
1: Yeah. Like earlier this year, dude, we, we started um, trying to wholesale virtually and we had like a VA um, in the Philippines trying to like lock up deals for us, and he was, but dude, he locked up probably like 10 contracts. And we couldn't move, we couldn't move one of them. No way. Couldn't move one, dude. Like talk about like, yeah, like the sexy part, right? Like, (laughs) oh, contracts, contracts, like hashtag hustle, like all this shit. But it's like, dude, we made no, we just wasted time. You know, we wasted everyone's time. They were just shit deals. You know, they were like those sellers I was talking about, you know, a uh, $5,000 bungalow that's been sitting there for 30 years. They'll contract that with everyone. Yeah, man. You can't get you can't get too excited just because someone wants to sell. You know, you hear no's all day long, and people just telling you to f off. That sometimes you hear someone like, "Oh my God, I want it. I've been trying to get rid of this piece of property for so long." You get too excited, you know. You you got to make sure it's still a deal, and don't get too excited just because they agree to go into contract.
0: Dude, I got a buddy of mine who's like listening. I know he's listening to this right now, and like. He knows I'm laughing at him because he gets so hyped up when he gets a contract. I'm like, all right, sweet man. Like, so what do you need to sell it at? Oh, I'm like, oh, bro, come on. Are you kidding me? You're getting properties under contract and you don't have your exit thought out already. You right. have
1: no- like, don't get me wrong. I get excited like when I when we buy a property. Like we're buying one next week in Willenboro that we're buying for seventy five thousand and the the ARV's two sixty, like the day we buy that where we are buying in equity, you know what I mean? Like that yeah. property as is we'd be able to sell like that and make a bunch of money. But so it's like, but it's a good deal. It has great comps. There's a house three doors down, same exact, there's only like three model houses in Willingboro, you know, so it's easy to comp. So it has to be a good parcel of good property in, in a market that activity is going on. If you're in the middle of the woods and no sale has happened you know, with two miles in the last six months, it's like, you know, no flipper is going to take something on like that because there's other deals out there that we don't have to put up with something that we have no idea what we could potentially sell it for.
0: Yeah. So people listen to that, like pick your market strategically, right? This isn't a game anymore where you have to live in your own market either. I mean, you're in Arizona oh. and you're still working Jersey. I'm in New York. I'm working in Milwaukee. Like, you don't need to live there. Pick a market strategically where you're going to find data. You have buyers. In fact, I would tell people to work backwards. Like go find your buyer first if it's possible or find a place where there's a ton of buyers and then begin working that market. Go to the hot places. Don't be afraid of the competition because most people, although it seems like there's a lot of competition, most people aren't persistent enough to actually do anything about it. You know, so it's like-
1: Yeah.
0: I think there's that's
1: a- everywhere, dude. Like, you know- Phoenix is like the most competitive market where I'm at. Right. And I know all these dudes, guys that just got into the game six months ago, guys have been in the game. They're all making money. The ones that are executing well, like people think like New Jersey, I talk to my Phoenix friends. They're like, Oh, your big rips in Jersey, probably no competition there. I'm like almost every house that we end up contracting, there's three or four different investors that are submitting offers, you know, but it's our persistence or our, you know, sales tactics, our way of, you know, negotiating with sellers and being confident and aggressive, um, you know, with our terms and stuff like that, that we get deals done, but there's competition everywhere. So I always say, yeah, don't, don't shy away from competition, um, because there's going to be competition everywhere.
0: Dude. Hell yeah, man. If there's competition, that's the market you want to be in. So I got two questions for you to finish this off, Ricky. Yeah. Respect your time, bro. So question number one, right? You said you sat and you read 60 books, man. Like that's on par with millionaires, right? They say on average, millionaires read about 60 books a year. Yeah. Of those 60, give me two, just two that were like crazy paradigm shifts for you that just stood out among all of them.
1: Yeah, I would say, man, I had to just pick two. I would have to give you the born answer for one of them, rich dad, poor dad, because that really was like the mindset sh- shift, like real estate, this is the way to go, like don't buy, you know, liabilities, you know, have assets, pay for your liabilities, that whole concept really just like started that reprogramming of like, I need to get way more deep into this and like change my life. And I know a lot of people probably, you know, will say that book. But uh, the other book is by my favorite author, uh, Napoleon Hill. Uh, Outwitting the Devil, bro, dude, that book is flames. Like, I mean, like, think, uh, thinking, grow rich is like literally my Bible. Like, I would say that's I've never read a book more times than Thinking, Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill too. So I definitely recommend pretty much anything he's written. But Outwitting the Devil man is just um, it's. It really, it's crazy how that book was, I think it was written in like, um, like 80, over 80 years ago, and everything it speaks about is so true and present uh, in today's day and world, uh, you know, today's day and age, and um, it's crazy how like something so old could be so relevant, Uh, but that kind of just shows you like success and mindset and, and all those things. It's kind of, those things
0: don't change with time. No, man, like wisdom, the truth is everlasting, right? The truth never gets old yeah outwitting the devil bro like that book is people need to listen to that or read it or pick it up because like you said like that book like he wrote that book like over 80 years ago but it didn't drop till 2011 right
1: that's the that's the craziest part like you know it's just like all this wisdom is just like sitting for all those years and then you know that book could have dropped at any period of time and it would have been relevant right it shows you some things when it comes to mindset no matter what day and age you're in, it's never going to change, man, which is super powerful, I think.
0: Yo, that's big. All right, man. So final question. This one's my absolute favorite question. All right. So let's imagine tomorrow morning you wake up and you just don't remember a thing, bro. You don't remember any of the sales at Yelp. You don't remember any of the deals you've done in this past year. You don't remember any of the network that you've built. Like you are just blank, bro. You don't even remember your name. But you wake up, you have this feeling of like, all right, I'm in a safe space. So you're not freaking out or anything. You just don't have any memories. However, there is one thought in your head, right? There's one little nugget of wisdom that's just sitting there. And for whatever reason, you just keep it like you're just like, yo, this is true. I don't know why, but I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to run with it and I'm going to work with it. What would you want that one thought to be?
1: Honestly, it, it'd probably just be one word, dude, faith. I think um, just having faith in just everything you're doing and yourself and like, um, you're, there's so much noise in the world where I think like the way to be disciplined and consistent and like pushing forward through like the ups and downs, is just faith. So I'm just going to give you one word, faith. I think if yeah. you wake up and you have that, dude, like you're good as long as, um, you know, you, you just keep it going and have faith.
0: Bro, I rock with it big time. I'm definitely, definitely big into the faith. So honestly, that's a great answer. So Ricky, dude, I want to say thank you for coming on, man. I really appreciate the time that you spent here, the wisdom that you dropped, the energy that you brought. And if people are interested in finding you, getting to know more about you, like how can they connect with you? What should they do? Where should they find you at? Like what, how can they get you?
1: Yeah, definitely uh, Instagram. It's going to be at realestatericky__. Uh, We just started kind of getting big into TikTok and making videos there, and that's at Wholesaling Real Estate. And then look out for way more content coming this year. Uh, We're going to drop a Flip Lab YouTube channel uh, at the beginning of next year, and we're going to do like a bunch of cool shit coming up. So stay tuned. Definitely like uh, go to my Instagram, and then you'll be able to follow along all the other stuff we got going on in the future.
0: Hell yeah. So guys, I'm going to drop that in the description. So if you just scroll down wherever you're listening, you'll be able to find his IG. You'll be able to click onto it. Go give him a follow. If you're listening to this, screenshot it, tag him in it, let him know that you appreciate, let him know actually what your favorite like bit of information that he dropped today. Cause he dropped so many gems. So just like hit him up and tell him which one like really resonated with you. And if you're doing deals out in Jersey and you need help, DM him, reach out to him but hit them up only if you have something like concrete, please don't just like, I mean, unless Ricky, you like answering theory (laughs) questions. I always tell people, don't just hit people up with like the theory, like, well, what if this, what if that, like.
1: Like, dude, dude, if you, if you have a, if you want some of my time and I will give anyone my time, but like, send me, send me a deal or something. Let's talk about that. Even if I don't buy it, like, cool. Like I'll help you out with some other tips, but yeah, it's like the, the DM that's uh, Hey, so what is wholesaling? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) go find some videos man okay come back to me with uh with the deal
0: (laughs) dude awesome but yo ricky appreciate you man definitely um you know if you ever need anything reach out and thank you so much for coming on the show yeah
1: absolutely man i
0: appreciate it okay guys so i really hope you enjoyed that interview once again i ask that if you receive any value at all i mean anything. If one thing stood out to you, leave a comment below. Let people know what that thing was. Let us know what it was. We do read all of the comments and absolutely share this with a friend. That is how we help each other, okay? The best thing you can do is pass on knowledge and information that's helping you grow. Send that out to your friends. Help them grow build your network, and build your power team. Let's all get this together. So I want you guys to click that share button, click that like button, subscribe. Make sure you're here for the next episode. And remember that the greatness is already inside of you.